Welcome to Lighthouse Community Church Online. We are so thankful that you chose to tune in to watch online or listen via podcast. As you tune in, may we encourage you to do a couple of things that will help you be the new person God has intended you to be. As you engage with the message, choose to be attentive, take notes, and share with us anything God impresses on your heart. Let us know if there is a next step that we can help you walk into. You don't have to go it alone. And stay engaged by texting the word CONNECT to 954-923-8660. You will be kept in the know about upcoming events and important news. We're in the 23rd Psalm. I know that surprises some of you. We're still there. And today is about the table that God sets before us. It's a wonderful table. Ever been invited someplace? And you got there and you found out that your host for that event was made the table special for you. Like they cooked your favorite stuff. They even thought of your favorite colors. They, they laid things out thinking of you. Like they prepared a table for you that was so special. And you felt special about it. You know, you can go. Restaurants are great and they do wonderful tables in restaurants. But they're not necessarily preparing a table for you. It's for everybody. It's the same table. To eat at. There are certain places that I've been to where I've been with people that are frequent diners there and they know them and, and I've seen the difference where they anticipate what they want and they need and they say, well, do you still want to get, do you want the sparkling water as usual? And do you, do you want, and they had it all ready, like they prepared a table and there's a difference between the two of a table prepared for you and one that's just a table, any old table. I was at an event one time and this uh, company wanted to thank their customers and they had created this big banquet for them. There's a lot of money and a lot of time went into it and they had created like place holdings for them with their names on it and they had, had the food and they had checked with the crowd to see like, do you have any special dietary needs? So for vegetarians, vegetarian meals, vegans, vegan meals and those that were glucose intolerant, those, they had it all. They're just really thoughtful. And, and when the guests started to show up, there was an event next door. And, and it's for the same conference, but it was an open event. And, and some of the guests decided not to go to the party prepared for them. Instead, believe it or not, after all this time and attention went into it, they, they decided to go to where the open bar and the loud music was because it seemed right to them to do that. And, and you'll see in today's psalm that that's really much like what David had in mind. Like there's a table that God himself prepares for you because you're his. And he doesn't want you eating at another table because it's not good for you. And they're like, this is a special table for you. Don't go next door. And, and David has this mindset and he sees it from two different ways he, he sees it from the side of a shepherd and the side of a king two different metaphors for the table and so would you stand with me now as we recite the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Guys, you're doing good. I'm hearing it's, it's louder than it used to be. It's like it's, it's getting into us. It takes a bit, but I'm going to tell you, this psalm will, like daily, you commit this to memory or partial memory, it will, it will, the truth of it will carry you through on God's character. And so let's just do that. God came and metaphor of the sheep, and like a shepherd, he went to the dark, smelly pig pen, the sheep pen that we lived in before, and he opened the gate, and he said, come this way, and he takes you out. And on the way out, he's checking to make sure that you're okay, and he's checking your wounds, and he's fixing those. And he takes you out, and he makes you to lie down in your fatigue. He lie down in fresh green pastures in the light. And then he knows that you're thirsty, and your soul is thirst as well as it hungers. And he takes you to waters that are not too much, but are clean and pure and good for you, and he lets you to drink. He knows that you're going to need protection because the next step is he's going to have to take you through a dark valley. He knows your life will have dark valleys and so he takes you out and you go through a valley. It's not death, but it's like a shadow of death. It feels like death. But you're comforted and you're okay because his, his rod of protection is there to protect you from the predators because he's, your, he's yours and you belong to him. And then sometimes he throws that skillful rod your direction to get your attention. And you scurry back to the fold, hopefully. And then your staff, you feel his presence in you as he takes a staff and he lays it alongside you. And so that you know that you're his and that he is yours and that he is with you. And that reason you fear no evil for he is with you. But you got to get out of the dark valley. They don't last forever. And he's going to take you to the summer mountain ranges. And in the summer mountain ranges where the snow has melted and come down in the summer, it's lush green and beautiful wild flowers to behold. And every shepherd wants, a good shepherd wants his sheep to graze in the best. In parts of the world, these are called the mesa, the tablelands. And he takes them to the tablelands and he's going to have them graze there. So he takes them out of the shadow of death and he leads them and finally they reach the best grazing land you could possibly ever eat from. And it's peaceful and tranquil and glorious. That's what lies at the end of, of suffering. So he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I think just to focus on here who it is that prepares what you need, the source of your consumption is God. He's preparing the table. And he's doing it in the presence of all those who took you down in your past. All the enemies of your life. We'll list those a little bit later, but we all got them. A lot of it's buried in our failures and in our weaknesses and our shame and our guilt. And we hold on to that and we like to eat from those. Those manifest themselves in other ways, like in our addictions and the way that we stumble through in chronic areas of sin that are hurtful to God. 
God has a history of preparing tables. He's got a great history. This isn't the first time tables have been mentioned in his word. We know in the wilderness, he prepared a table for the children of Israel. He took them out of exile, out of darkness, out of the pen, and he brought them into the wonderful light of freedom. And they said, where do we get the food? Don't worry, I'll give it to you. You just get enough for every day, just like the sheep. And manna rained from heaven and water came out of stone. And he set a table for them. This is how God describes the table that he sets for his own. To careful heed to this out of Isaiah 25. He says, in Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast, Jerusalem being his house, the new Jerusalem. For all the people of the world, it will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There, will, there he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death. Sound familiar? that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever, and death where is thy sting. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears. He will remove forever all the insults and the mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, but I want to give you the best part. This is what's going to happen as he goes into verse 9 of Isaiah 25. God says, this is what you're going to say, those of you who have endured to the end, his faithful followers. He says, this is what you're going to say at the end of your valley of darkness and getting to the mountaintop experiences on earth. This is what you're going to say. In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. Says there will be a day at the end of this. The shadows of death and the darkness and the turmoil and the moments in your heart of heart, you may be saying right now, saying this is over, I don't know if I can go on. He's saying, don't you worry, one day it's going to be good. And what made it good is not that there are streets of gold, that's good and that there's light all the time, that's good, and that he prepared a place for you, that's good. But you know what he says is you're going to really enjoy, even if you don't now, what you're really going to enjoy is the fact that he is going to be there. You will be with God forever as intended to be in the garden at the very beginning. It's true. Jesus described other tables. He said that the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. He says it's like a table, a banquet table. At that feast in his parable, he says you're going to invite those that are nobodies who will one day become somebody because he chose you. And in the presence of all the that time somebodies are going to be looking on the outside, watching the table that God has prepared for the nobodies. Welcome to the nobody club. Jesus equated the table he prepares for us with an abundant life. He said it this way in John 10.10 in the context of sheep and shepherds. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you not experienced a lot of that? He said, but my purpose, Jesus talking, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give them a tableland that is rich and glorious. I like some of the tables. My favorite table in scriptures may be you won't relate to this, that God had set, as Jesus himself set this table. 
physically set the table. It's when Peter had denied Jesus three times as Jesus told him that he would and said, I don't even know that guy. Three years plus he walked with him and, and now he's turned on him and Jesus looked him in the eye as he did that. In his shame, he ran away like a lot of us do. In his guilt, he, he left. And he went back to what was comfortable to him and he went fishing. He was a fisherman, he went fishing. And while he and his boys were out on the boat, up on the shore, Jesus, having resurrected from the dead and coming back, is on the shore, and the disciples record their own eyewitness fact that he had taken some fish and he had taken some food and he was cooking breakfast. He was setting a table for the one who didn't deserve it. Peter was experiencing coming to the Lord's table presented before him. And he's saying to him, that's why it's my favorite tip, he said, listen, Peter, I know you're a louse. I know you lost it. It doesn't surprise me. But you're mine. You're my louse. And he set the table and Peter took it and ate from his table and was restored. It's a table of restoration. There were other tables set. Jesus prepared a table in the presence of his own enemy. He lived this himself. Sitting around on the final night before the crucifixion. They were sat at the Passover table. And as he's sitting there, to the one before they had even finished eating, the 12 invited to the table, but he invited one of those to go. He looked at him and he said, Do, Judas, do what you need to do. Do it quickly. And Judas left immediately in the night. He had left before even finishing the meal. Go and left. And I'm telling you, Jesus invites people to the table that are following him and to his enemy, he excuses them from the table. The table is set for the children of God. David saw two sides of the table. He saw it as a victory banquet. The word for in the presence of, in the Hebrew text, the iteration is a combative term. It can be interpreted that way and it's used often that way. It means confrontation or to be against. So he sets a table against in confrontation of. It's, it's used in military terms. The king would host the banquet after they had had a great conquest and conquered one of the neighboring nations. They would take back their, their conquered and bring them in and their former king if they hadn't killed him and their princess and their esteemed noblemen and they would parade them through the streets as their victory and then they would have a great banquet and promote some princes and they would do it in the presence of their enemy. David, being a king and having many conquests, would have seen it this way, that he prepares a table in the presence of the conquered. And now I am the victor because I follow the victorious one. It's just a great picture. It's a show of regime change. It shows that we, we've got new people in town and you guys used to be somebody, but in God's economy, because you're not with him, you're, you're right now, you're equivalent to being a nobody until you follow him. It's a big deal, guys. It's a great picture. I love that. I've told this story before many times and if you like it, you can turn to your neighbor that hasn't heard it and says, just listen to this, it's a good one. You remember the, some of you, the Gulf War? And, and we had, Iraq had invaded Kuwait. The United States with its allies went in to liberate Kuwait. 
from Iraq. And, and so we started the advance and we did it on one front and another front. Long story short, you know, they had the elite and we kept seeing the reports and we had Baghdad Bob on there from Iraq saying, we're trouncing you, we're killing you, you're losing America, right? In the meantime, like their guys are dropping their guns and running like crazy. And as we, we got in to, to, to go in, we defeated the elite Iraqi guard, the Red Guard. And, and then I remember so clearly the newspaper reporter at the site where the general, Norman Schwarzkopf, being in the lead of it, and, and all the people uh, around that were conquered, that you had the conquerors and the, and the conquered together. And you could see them in tents. And a reporter went to general, and he said, General... Uh, could you give us some details about what you're going to negotiate with the Iraqi military? I would love General's response. He says, we're not negotiating anything. We won. I love that answer. Such a naive question and ill-informed. And it's just the picture of this regime change that he prepares a table and we think that we're losing and somehow the enemy has this hold and yet he is lost. David sees from the view of a shepherd as well, a, a tableland up on the mountains in the summer highlands. He, the shepherd prized that. All the shepherds did. And so they would have to go survey the land before they dare take their sheep. They had to prepare the table. And, and so they would go up and run a survey and they would look at certain things. And they would look at Keller talks about seeing beautiful wildflowers and, and talked about kamas, which is a certain flower that's beautiful when the blue ones are fine, but there's little white ones that come underneath and they're poisonous. A little lamb eats a, a white kama that's as beautiful by sight, it's going to be paralyzed, unable to move. And so he talked about he and his boy going out on their hands and knees for days, pulling them out, pulling them out and weeding the pasture, preparing it for its sheep. We'd go to the watering holes and they would see this is where they're going to drink and it would be filled with mud and, and sticks and leaves and rocks and they would clean out the watering holes preparing the table for the sheep. They would look for holes in the ground where adder poisonous snakes are, are known to be and where sheep are likely to put their nose in and, and they take a He'd take an oil and he'd put an oil around the outside lip of the adder snake hole so that when the snake comes out, it would be hard to get past the oil. And then he would take some oil and put it around the, the nose of its sheep and so that the repulsiveness of the odor would send away the adder snakes. He prepared a table. It's like that picture because I see God prepares a table for us similarly for our best. There are predators there, and so once he goes through the dark valleys and gets to the mountaintop and the sheep are at rest, it's not over there because predators see their own meal, don't they? Thank you, shepherd, for preparing this meal for me. And so the shepherd puts them in an open grazing land, picking the right pasture, and he watches carefully for predators, coyotes and wolves and cougars and whatever else may be there that would devour his sheep, and he watches them. You would have those sheep. We've talked about this every week, but it's worth repeating because we're all that sheep, the one that wanders away. See, while they're in the view of the shepherd, all is good. Once the shepherd sees them, he's, 
He's got his rod that he can fling and send them out. He'll take them down. He's not going to let anyone happen, anything happen to you. But when you get out of view of the shepherd, it's a problem. And so he deals with that. I just make this safety requires that we remain close to the shepherd. Safety requires that we remain close to the shepherd. Closest is not some kind of churchy little talk. Being close to Jesus is not some kind of cliche. Closeness is your protection. And it's also for your heart and healing your soul. Jesus had already conquered and disarmed the enemy. That's why I can trust him to protect and provide. He, he'd already done the hard work. He, he had already been devoured by the predators himself. He had already conquered and disarmed our enemy. I love these words. Just listen to this in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Paul writes, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. I know in times in my life, and maybe like you, sometimes I don't feel like I'm in a triumphal procession. Sometimes I feel like I'm on my way to Death Valley. But he says, no, I, I have led you. Because of what Jesus did, by taking our shame upon himself and taking our wrath, we are led now into triumph, not into discouragement. We are having a table in the table land in the presence of our enemy. He says it further in Colossians. Paul writes, he disarmed. He, he, he took the guns away. When he went to his death and then he rose from the dead, he, he disarmed the enemy, our predators. That's why we could eat a table in front of him and not be fearful. He says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So, so on that very day, it's more than you getting forgiveness for your sins and Jesus taking your wrath. Something far bigger happened so that that could happen. That he had to disarm the enemy. And Satan at that moment, who prince of the air, he, he, he was nullified. He was clamped in chains and he was held back and if you're his then he has no hold over you anymore he can't have you you belong to God now you're in his fold and he's your shepherd and he's good he's so good Jesus allowed himself to be devoured when we eat at God's table we enjoy peace and tranquility that's it brethren you've got You've got multiple tables to choose from in your life. You and I both do. And like sheep, we, we like to graze anywhere where there's food. We don't know. We don't think about it. He says, but I'll keep in perfect peace all that trust in you, everyone that trusts in him. He says, that's what peace is, those that are looking at him, those that are sitting at the right table and just looking right on him and saying, I'm going to adore you, Jesus. Christians are attacked by predators when... When we eat without considering at whose table we dine. You guys like buffets? If you hear me, I've actually lied to you. Like if we've been out and I say, oh, I don't really like buffets. That's not really true. I really like buffets, but they're not good for me. Because I am really a weak person. Right? I go, I go to a buffet, I always say, well, you know, I'm just going to get the baked chicken and they've got some vegetables over here that aren't fried. You've got to really look for those because they're not easy to find. And they've got a little salad over here. And you, do, and you say that, but you say, you know, I'm here anyway. 
and you just keep grazing like sheep do, right? Just a little bit. I'm just going to have a little bit of that mayonnaise salad and a little bit of that fried stuff, and that looks good a little bit. But listen, I'm paying for it anyway. So I'll just, I'll just take a look, and you know, it's not a big deal because you just took a little bit. When you got a little bit of 20 items, it becomes quite a bit. So, so you have done it. <laughs> and that's it. And then once you've blown it already, I mean, hey, what the hey, just, let's just go get dessert. I mean, they got the, like all those cakes, even Jell-O's looking good at this moment. And, and you got, like, who eats Jell-O? I don't know. But it's all looking good. You're just saying, like, I'm going to have, well, let me get a soft serve ice cream. I'll just have a little bit, a little bit of that little square, you know, 14-day-old cake that was frozen originally. And you eat that, and, and all of a sudden you eat that, and you realize at the very end of it, like, why did I do that? That wasn't good. But that's what sheep do. That's what, that's what he's saying. He says, you've got a table to choose. You've got multiple tables, and, but there's really only one table that's for our best. Now, there are things that get in the way of our tables. I just, fear gets in the way of our tables, going to God's table, the one he prepared for us. Sheep are very jittery people. We are very jittery people. We get spooked really easy. And as soon as we do, we tend to run away. You know how predators like to get sheep, how they attack them? They don't always just wait till nighttime for the pen. You know what they do? They stampede them. And they, and they create this hysteria so that they scatter. And then they just pick whoever they want because they've scattered. Brethren, we have a lot of scattering in churches. A lot of sheep being spooked away. And they're just scattering and finding all sorts of, of illegitimate means and sources for protection. And God is saying, would you please just come back into the to the highlands here, to the tableland, and, and let me take care of you. I'm watching. You got to stay close. Some of our tables are filled with failure and guilt and our addictions and our unforgiveness and our pride and our need for control because of that and infidelity and weaknesses. And, and the enemy knows all of that. And, and we're living at that table. And we're just eating from it over and over again, not forgetting that our condition has, has, is bad, but our position with Christ has never changed, that we are clean before him that you are indwelled by his Holy Spirit to, to live a life that he intended you and I to live, as hard as that may be. I'll, I'll just say this, that when your enemy is present, when you sense that he's coming in, when you get that inkling that he wants to take you down, when you hear his growl, when you know that he's hiding out for you and he's ready to take you for whatever it is that you've opened that door, You know when that do? You got to go to God's table and start sitting and eating at his table. You got you to get close to him. You just have to. I mean, that's the protection that you have. That's the resisting that he flees from. And, and let me tell you, you want to know what hacks off Jesus? It's in the scripture. It's bad tables. It's, it's tables that his, his people set that's just not of him. It's all those things that we put on there that are doing nothing for our relationship with him. Do you remember in the temple, in his final days, Jesus went and he went in the temple. What did he do? Remember how angry he got? Some of you know? Yeah, he, he, he tipped the what? Turned the tables over. You know why? He said it. That, you know what their table was set with? Their table was set with greed and self-interest. And, and, and how did he contrast that? He said, you, 
He said, my father's house is a place of prayer. My, my father's house is a place of his presence. It's a, it's a place where he is to be worshipped and adored. That's his table. And you're bringing your own table into his house? And you're eating it in front of him? Your table in front of him? He wasn't happy. I just give you this warning, and I think it was Keller that said this. I'm not exactly sure, but he, he said that once in a while he would have one of those sheep that just would never come under the master shepherd. He just wouldn't. Like he just wanted his own way. He was always wandering. But the trouble with that sheep hurt other sheep that were under the master's care. And he would take them away and we'd get them in trouble and they'd, some would die. And, and he, he would be harmful. And he would have to take that sheep and remove it from his fold. I'm just putting that out there. There's some consequences from eating from the wrong table. David experienced that. The, the Psalter here, the one who wrote this psalm, he, we saw that there were times that he went to a table that God never set. He lost his love for God and got complacent and sat back and stayed home from military commanding his identity. He lost his identity. Have you lost your identity? He's lost it, who he was. He's the king of Israel appointed by God and he decided to be the king who stays home. And he looks out and he, he has this infidelity moment with a woman named Bathsheba and God ended up taking his son and the trajectory of the Davidic kingdom was here at the time and it just went on a downward slope like that ever since. There's consequences from eating from a bad table. Pride got to him as well. One day he looked out, God's strength and power wasn't enough. It had conquered so many of these other nations, no problem, but it, all of a sudden one day it's not enough and so he says, you know what I need to do? I need to take a census. I need to take account of how strong I am to see if I'm strong enough. And God sent a prophet, a messenger, says, don't you do that. But he did it anyway. It wasn't good because God took a disease and he infected all the people with it. Indifference to sin is another way we eat from, just get indifferent. David got indifferent to sin. He decided not to deal with his two boys and their sinfulness in his house. In the king's house, he, they, he let sin go, and there was a rape involved of his one son to a relative, and then the brother of that person went and killed him, and it was just a horrible thing. It's a bad trajectory. Uh, and I'll just leave it at this. You won't know if God's table is better until you eat at it. You, you got to go. If you, if you need to know if God's table is better until you eat what he sets before you, you've got to eat at his table. So how do you do that? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sum it up this way. There, there's many reasons why we don't eat at God's table, but I'm going to just give you a few and some practical, helpful advice, and I hope you can take it home and this will work with you. It's a struggle, I know. My affections, the reason we don't eat from God's table, and we do all this grazing and buffet style of everything the world has, is because my affections are on temporal and not spiritual and eternal things. He said it in his word very clearly, Jesus' own words. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all the covetousness of all the wanting, all the other tables, against all the covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He says, your life is not about what you accumulate on this earth or what you have. The table you think is grand before you, the only thing that matters is what his 
what he gives you and set before you. That's the only thing that will last. He says it this way. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I love those words. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I realized that for much of my life that I was not, I was serving him. I was obedient to an extent, but I was not enjoying him in all that he gave me. I've taken a whole different view of life, and I'd like to invite you on that journey with me. That if you go away on a vacation, you can enjoy him. You eat a meal, whatever that is set before you, whether it's crackers and peanut butter because that's all you got, or you can enjoy a great banquet table or a great meal at a restaurant that you realize that this comes from him and you enjoy it. Enjoy your vacations because he gave them to you. Enjoy life and all that God has given and enjoy it. Brethren, I'm going to give you the key right here. The door is open. You may enjoy life. You just have to do it with him. That's his desire in his heart. Yeah. So my affections are temporal. They're not eternal. The other is that I am severely distracted and I can't focus. We talked about this in an earlier series about damages to our soul. Let me just give you the words of a Google insider. And, and but first, let me say this. I carried guilt with me for years about my lack of inability and getting worse, ability to focus and to concentrate and read deeply and, and do things deeply like I used to do. And I just thought, well, there's something really wrong with me. And I took that guilt and shame on me. But this is my realization, and I want to give you another key, and I want to unlock another door for you. It's not your fault, for the most part. I know, I know, you cry. I know in the Christendom, you're supposed to beat yourself up, and somehow you feel better about yourself if you beat yourself up and you feel bad enough. I know that the shame is natural, but I just want to tell you from a Google Insider. It is the goal in our current world in, the, in this century that we put as much time and effort in keeping our eyes on a screen. And so no matter how hard, I'm, now I know a lot of you, you're fortunate because you're aged out of this. You haven't gotten into this. Some of you, and you bless you that you're there. Some of you, it just, you didn't get swept up in the, but for the majority of people, you online, you here, you're in this. And I want to tell you this, for every time you say, I'm not going to look at that stupid TikTok video or to another one or another YouTube, you've got a thousand engineers and programmers on the other side finding a way to keep you glued because they make their money by eyeball time on the screen. That's how money is made. And it's not millions, it's multiple billions. And market caps on companies are over a trillion dollars. They're not going to let you go. Just something as simple as unlimited scrolling. You didn't know when this happened, but it happened to you, just like it happened to me. One day you used to scroll, and then you had to stop, and you say, next, more. 
Did you ever notice when that changed? You don't have to do that anymore. There's no pause in your brain that say, no, I don't want any more, I'm done. Right now it's unlimited scrolling. That was a programming change. That programming change came for one reason, to keep you glued and distracted from everything that matters in life so that people can make billions of dollars. Now, I'm not parading against capitalism. I'm just telling you what you're up against. And it's serious. It is hurting us Christians. And in my mind, it's a spiritual war. We are indwelled by the Spirit of God, and we can, we can at least get some. We won't get 100% victory in this lifetime on this. It's just too, these industries and institutions, unless they change their business models and, and we're surveilling you and your information is not their way they make money. Until that's gone, they're going to be after you. That's your, in my mind, the enemy forces, at least it is for me. So I'll just give you some suggestions here. Again, these won't be perfect and it's going to take a lot of time. You got to unplug hard. And that means, I mean, this is really difficult, really difficult, because everything, everything and those developers is, is geared towards sitting around a table thinking about how do we get them to look more? And I don't, I'm not even going to give you the statistics because they will blow your mind. Media fast and not hours but days at a time. I just, I just bought a K-Safe. A K-Safe is a device with a timer on it in which you put your phone and you set it for when you can get your phone back. I can't get in it until the timer goes off and I can get my phone. I have to do that. I'm that weak. I can't. I say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I am not going to do this anymore. And man, why am I watching this crazy guy and this bad language and this like, you know, just sweeps you away. It takes you away. But I realize it's hurt my depth with the Lord. It has hurt my ability to read deeply and to know him deeply because my mind is scattered and because I have to recognize I'm an addict. I've got no different than, the, than you and your crack addiction or alcohol when it releases those chemicals in your brain to say, oh, I feel good now. The exact same thing happens. And, and I know it. I've got to deal with it like an addict. You've got to take pauses. Give your life some pauses. You need to take pauses in your day. This is the hardest thing. You, you know how you know you're going to be an addict? When you take your first one-minute pause or three-minute pause, you just stop in the middle of the day and says, I'm, I'm just going to breathe out, and I'm going to turn. My phone's nowhere around. My laptop is gone, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to breathe out, and I'm going to think on God and talk to him. And that one minute or three minutes will be the longest time ever. And you'll realize, say, man, I am really a mess. And it's okay. It's not your fault. But we got to fight it. Take responsibility to do whatever we can do. And I will say this, engage scripture slowly and deeply. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. I, I don't read as much, not because I'm less interested, but because I, I wasn't reading deeply. I wasn't hearing from him clearly. And I, I just had to slow it down. And some of you are on the one-year reading plan. That's fantastic. Some of you are on a three-month reading plan. Read the whole Bible in a year, whole in three months. I just, for me, that's just too much. I, I need to just take it down. I read, I read a chapter a day, and I just, and besides my study time, and I just, and I focus on him, and maybe that's going to help you. And I realize because my brain is messed up, and I need to get it fixed. And it's working, by the way. My sleep is better. My moods are better. I find that I'm not as distracted. My thinking creativity is coming back. It's working. 
You got to grab your calendar by the throat. Stop reacting. It's got to go. And if you don't have a calendar, I encourage you to get one. I don't care if it's paper, back of a napkin, whatever. Maybe these spiritual depth requires both habit and heart. And so, and that leads to the next one. Your, your life. Some of you are going to understand this. Your life needs to be a combination. This is not, these aren't my words. This comes from somebody that's, that's helped me come out of this thing. It's got to be 12-step recovery for getting free of this stuff. It's got to be like a 12-step recovery program plus going to war college. War college is where senior officers go to get tactical training in, in combat warfare. And you've you got to have to take the habit and the daily disciplines of something like a 12-step, and you have to combine that with the mentality and the heart like, no, I'm dwelled by God. I am his. I live to please him, and he wants to please me, and I'm not going to enjoy him until I get this thing won, and I am going to do it by his power, and we're going to take it on. That's it. It's got to be something you say that, God, I, I, I know I'm not there, but I, I want brethren, you are created to enjoy God, to delight. He wants to delight you. He's got delights waiting, a rich and full life, he said. That's what he's designed for us. Okay, we're not going to get it fully in this life. We'll get it in the next. But that's his heart, and we don't have that. But he wants it, and that's, his, that's what he wants. And if he wants it, it's going to happen if we will yield to that. Some of the things that gets in the way is I, I, of eating from God's table. I don't eat from it because I live in fear of the what-ifs. And I, I'm just going to give you two things as we close this up. Um, I don't spend time in devotional anymore with Jesus. I know you say, oh, I'm pastor, you got to do it. I hang out with Jesus. There's a difference. I have learned to hang out with him because I realize that if I hang out with him, I could do it anywhere and anytime. But if I have to do a devotional time, which I'm totally for it, by the way, totally for you're doing that, don't stop. But if I'm doing devotional, it becomes work. It's like a task that I check off the list. That's why I don't do year Bible reading anymore because it's like I'm rushing to the top. I got to catch up. I missed part of yesterday and I got to do part of today. And I'm just going to, it's just for me, it wasn't good. For you, it may be great. But we, we, we got to hang out with him. That means hanging out. I'm sitting, you could be sitting at Starbucks and, and thanking God for delicious coffee or burnt coffee, however you perceive Starbucks to be, or expensive coffee. Um, you just hang out. And you hang out with him. I like to hang out with him. He's my best friend. I like when his word, I open his word, and I'm just reading simply and deeply in one chapter every day. And, and I hear him, and I, and I sense his moving and convicting on me, and I, I feel his staff of comfort on my side saying, yeah, I'm still here for you. You're not, you're not, you're not lost here. You're still mine. You're my fold. I'm telling you, there's nothing like that for your faith and knowing that God is still for you and not against you. Nothing like it. Jesus is pleased to see his sheep flourish in the table land. He's pleased to see you walk in ways of holiness, which is being interrupted by some of these tables that we're eating from. We are content and secure in his care. He chose you. You did not choose him, brethren. He chose you.
you belong to him. And because you are his, you get to enjoy all that he has. You are heir, it says, to everything he has. Everything the son has is yours. You can enjoy him as he enjoyed the father. And there will be valleys of darkness. You're going to suffer. It's not all sweet candy canes and bonbons here. But you'll get there on the other side, as we saw in Isaiah 25. So with that, I just want to make an invitation to those of you here. You're hearing this, and you're saying, some of this sounds good. I'm not real clear on it. Let me just tell you, God is inviting you to dine at his table. He's got a table. And he's saying, come over here and sit at my table and just sit there and be in his family at his place. And he's inviting you to do that and say, like, how do I get from where I am over to his table? It takes first by admitting that you have sinned against God. We all fall short. All have sinned. I fall short of every lie ever told, every cover-up deception ever stolen it's just it all piles up God's got a record of it and he wants to wipe the record clean he would like to take that record and push delete and dump it and he wants to do that right now you can take all that stuff and he can delete it but this is what you have to do you've got to believe that Jesus is God that he came for you he came and lived the life you could never live on your own he took death for you he ate at the table before his enemies and let his enemy devour him so that the enemy will not devour you. And so it matters, making a commitment of trust in him, like, Jesus, I will trust you with my life. I choose to follow you. I receive your forgiveness, God, and your grace through faith in you alone, not by your works. You'll never do enough works to make good with God. He wants to make up with you, brethren. He wants to make up. For everyone that wants to make up with him, he's waiting and willing for you. He's got a chair waiting right at the table for you. The chair is right there. It's just waiting for you. We're going to close out. It's just him. It's him alone. Our hope is in him. Everything we have is based in him. And he's looking for our affections. And because of all the hindrances we have, we've got we to fight to keep our affections on him. That's where the war college comes in. But you've got to pre-commit. Pre-commitment's very powerful. I pre-commit to do that. Oh, you'll fail. You'll miss it. I'm not going to use I'll, I'll tell you in a couple of weeks how my K-safe is working with my phone. I, I guarantee there's going to be a day or two like, oh, I didn't use the safe this week. I just I got glued on it. I saw a TikTok video. And I was just like, wow. Then I saw the next one and the next one. Man, it was like, before I know it, 45 minutes, an hour was eaten up out of my day. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Let's... Let's hang out with him in song. I do hope that you heard from God through this message. I never tire of reading this portion of scripture as they consistently encourage, convict, redirect, and align my heart and soul with God. Within the scriptures, we are handed practical, personal instruction that we can apply to our lives. And it is only when we have applied and obeyed the truth that we are transformed by the spirit of the living God. So make today count. Take action. And do let us know how we can help you in your walk to your newness of life.